love the crowding in the garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Wolf. It's Kickstart for the 21st. Woo! Guess what today is? Besides, besides the 21st, it is the first day of Prime Digs. I think they're doing it for two days. Amazon Prime Day. Yeah. It's um, Monday, Tuesday, right? Yeah. There is so much stuff here. I, we can't even like tell you specific things, but there's so much shit on sale. It's not just movies. It's not just music. There's a whole slew of things. But leading up to that, there was a big sale, and I hope it's still going by the time this happens. Uh, it goes live on Monday. They've been doing this three for two. It's been for video games, for movies. I bought so many movies. Currently, and I hope this is still going too, there are a ton of shout titles, like a ton. And as we've been talking, before we get ready to hit record, I've been adding things to my cart because that movie we talked about so much, Explorers, is only $15 on Amazon Prime right now. And that thing's been out for what, weeks at this point? Three weeks, for, well, maybe a month by the time, by the time you guys hear it. There's a ton of stuff. Uh, almost everything from the Scream Factory line is on sale and you're getting those things for like anywhere between 14 to $17, even things that just came out. Lots of great stuff in there. I mean, like Dreamscape is only like $14, no, $13. Firestarter is $11. Halloween 3 is $16. There's so, and these are all those collector's editions that we're always raving about from Shout slash Scream Factory. They, these guys, man, they know when to hit you. <laughs> But, you know, what's crazy that it's not on this sale, dude, is the 1976 King Kong. Yeah, what the is hell, not man? part of this sale, which yeah. is what a drag that is. That's rude. But yeah, they these fucking guys know when they know when to take your money. <laughs> and and part of that three for two sale, no fucking around. It's not the big stuff, too. And I know I just mentioned Scream and, and the Shout Factory. But dude, I, there's lots, lots of arrow titles, lots of Kino titles. I mean, I bought that Gamera. There's, there's two Gamera box sets that came out back in... February or March, you buy them together with like 120 bucks, but you can get them both for 69.99 or do what I did, buy two of those and then buy a third title that's in that range. And now you're, now you're only paying 50 bucks average between the three sets. There's, I mean, there's so many deals to be had. Just got to be a little creative on how you make your orders because the three for two literally is it you order three things and it drops off the lowest price. So what I would recommend is doing what I did if you got, if you got 25, 30, maybe not that many, maybe you have nine movies you want to get, put them all on a wish list, sort them out in lowest to highest price and order at three different orders. If you have prime, it's not going to cost you anymore. And then that way you, you'll get the, the best of both worlds and you get your, all your movies and you'll get the best prices off because they'll, you won't, because you put all of them in the, in the box at the same time, they're going to give you those those three lowest titles off. And now you're probably costing you an extra 10 bucks and you, more than you want to pay. Right. It's like when you try to use your bonus points at Starbucks and they always yes. fucking give you the free, the cheapest drink for free. Depends on which one you go to. Because most of the time, like if you go and like, because when I get that ridiculous drink that I make at home, but which costs like six fifty when you go there, because there's four shots in it that's usually like a $6 and 50 cent drink, but I never get that at Starbucks until it's a freebie. No, I'm just saying you have to, but you have to, you have to sort of walk, you have to sort of catch them because you know, you have to say, Hey, look, I want this one with my free drink. Yeah. You know, you have to tell them. So, yeah. you know, it's very, it's just like, you know, setting up your cart so that you're not throwing, you know, three $40 movies in together and you know, yeah. Gotta be, just be aware of what you're doing. Break and it up. Break it up. I hope the sale is still going on, but if not, uh, I was seeing some of the Prime Day previews, um, and it's not just movies and stuff. I know we're a movie show, 
but we've been so music centric the last two weeks because come on, music moves come on, us. It's music summer. Yes, that's exactly right. So if you have any like new little electronic things, I know there's lots of really cool headphones that are going to be on there. So again, we're kind of tying things into movies and music, but there's lots of deals to be had in there, but don't buy things just because they're, <laughs> they're on sale. Just know that you, I, there's always something that you're going to need. And it's not just a want thing. I I've, I feel like, when I, it's not like when I go in Sweetwater and I'm looking at music gear. Because, <laughs> yeah, if I had money to spend, I'd spend it. Do I need it? No. That's a problem I have with like musical you know, software instruments and stuff. I'm always buying something because there's always something fun to buy. Movies, we all kind of fall in that same trap where it's like anytime these sales on, we've talked about this on the show numerous times, right? When there's big sales, we add like 30 things to the cart. And we end up only buying five at the end of the day. I'm like, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. Dude, I, I, I have to go through, I'll, I'll put shit in my cart. And then I have to go through my shit and make sure I'm not buying another fucking copy of something I already have. Cause <laughs> you know, like I told you, uh, there's a bunch of shit. I'm just going to have to, I gotta, I gotta do a hard pass and, you know, uh, donate some stuff to my local library. And yeah. there's also a, you know, there's also a uh, senior living uh, center where I, uh, I, I take movies and drop them there. Cause you know, they like to mix that shit up and, you know, so I do a pass for those guys. I don't send them shit like, you know, horror movies and stuff, but I got a lot of, you know, <laughs> I have stuff that I do send them, you know, all this stuff that I inherited from my, you know, that cleaned out of my parents' house, all that stuff went there. But, uh, so yeah, I got to do a pass there before, uh, you know, these damn sales, man. Good Lord. You don't want to pull Lloyd from, from, uh, say anything and bring cocoon to them. No, probably not a good one. Uh, you know, I take them things like value of the dolls beyond the value of the dolls. Uh, you know, things like that. Things that they might enjoy from when they were like in their thirties. Sure. <laughs> it was written by Roger Ebert wrote that man. Oh, I thought um, he wrote beyond. Could, yeah, he did. Oh yeah. Sequel. Yeah. The one and only movie he wrote and had produced. Yeah. It's a good one too. There's also, you know, there's lots of music on sale during prime day. There's, you know, it's everything. It's not just movies. It's not just movies. Uh, you know, so if, if you're, if you don't want to spend any money, then stay off the fucking internet for the next two days. Yeah. Cause that's the best thing for you to do. Don't open your Amazon app. Yeah. It's a trap. You know what I watched recently and I've been, <laughs> I've been meaning to kind of bring it up to, with you and I just, I hadn't. HBO max had this on and I, I just felt like watching it. Because, you know, I don't think I'd ever seen it. And that's Bruce Davison in the original Willard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, dude. I, it's so wonderful, dude. Sandra Locke is in it. It's such a good movie. And I'm like, I had to have watched this when I was a kid. I had to have. Um, but I remember seeing Ben a lot when I was a kid. Because yeah. obviously the Michael Jackson song. Right. But I did see Willard. But I want to say I saw Willard as a grown-up. After the Crispin Glover remake had come out, uh, I sought out. Yeah, and he's wonderful in that. Yeah, I love, dude, I like both versions a lot. Yeah, and Bruce is so good in this. He he totally channels Anthony Perkins in this in, in, in this role, man. And I'm thinking that the whole time I'm watching him, this is like, he's like, he's like Norman Bates in this. And as far as his, his performance, and there's one moment where he's standing on a staircase and the camera is looking down from behind him as he's talking to another character. And I'm like, oh shit, they knew what they were doing. This is 71 too. So I know what they're going for here, but it's so fucking, his performance, Bruce Davison is wonderful in it. And to be so familiar with his work for the last 40 years and to see this after never seeing it, and this is probably one of his first things I'm guessing. 
Dude, I will give you a, I'll, I'll say this. I feel like Bruce Davison is always channeling some Anthony Perkins in everything. Like if Anthony Perkins hadn't gone off the deep end, you know, he would have had the kind of career that, uh, I mean, Davison, there's, especially his early work, dude, he's very, I have theories <laughs> why, Well, and, but yeah. Ernest Borgnine is also in the movie. Okay. And I've had people and I've done it before where I've confused Ernest Borgnine and Martin Balsam, you know, they have a similar look and everything like that. And when I was younger, I would mix the two of them up. Ernest Borgnine's character in Willard, his name is Martin. Again, don't tell me they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. I'm, I bet you haven't seen this movie, but it's very young Bruce Davison in a really early role, uh, playing opposite Burt Lancaster in, uh, Robert Aldrich's Olzana's raid. Again, a very young, Anthony Perkins type as uh, Lieutenant Debune, I think is, is what his character's name, Debune. But dude, you want to talk about a crazy, weird 70s sort of revisionist Western with for 1971 with some serious violence. You're going to be like, holy fuck, I can't even believe they did that in a movie in 1971, especially a movie with Burt Lancaster. Right. But Davison's great in it. You know, he plays the young lieutenant uh, and Lancaster, obviously, at this point, it's like 71 or 72, is playing the world-weary sort of uh, soldier who's seen it all. And his last uh, mission is basically to track down this, uh, you know, Elzana and take him back to the reservation. But man, Davison is so good in it. And it's probably from that same time period as Willard. So, you know, if you want to make a, if you want to see some early Bruce Davison, uh, where he's almost unrecognized, well, from most of us probably know him uh, from the X-Men, the, the two X, right. the first two X-Men movies, right? right. I, I'm guessing. I, I mean, you know, he's in tons of other stuff, but I would have to say most of the, you know, most of us probably recognize him from the X-Men. But uh, yeah, dude, Olzana's Raid and Willard. Yeah. Nothing alike the movies, but you get to see, you know, two really kind of cool early Bruce Davison performances. See, Yeah. So now, see, now you, since you mentioned that movie, now I got to talk about Bob Aldrich because we never talk about him on the show. Dude, I love Aldrich, dude. Right? Vera Cruz, we, we give me never, a break. We never, <laughs> ever, ever talk about him. And and it's like, in when we did Bert back in February, we said, well, we can't do The Longest Yard, dude, because everybody's fucking done The Longest Yard. Right. And that would have been our first movie and of, of right. Bob's. And I'm like, fuck, dude. I can't tell you how many times I saw The Choir Boys and my dad. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Dirty Dozen, speaking of violent movies. <laughs> dude, we could do an Aldrich Munch easily. Dude. No, no. I was going to say we could do it without even trying. Yeah. An Aldrich Quarter. We can do three months. <laughs> Good Lord, man. We could do a brand new spinoff podcast. <laughs> Here's the thing about Aldrich, man, is the, the stuff you know, you're like, holy fuck. But then the stuff you don't really right. know, like Olzano's Raid, uh, the Grissom Gang, uh, Emperor of the North with Lee Marvin and Borgnine. Right. I mean, uh, the Aldrich well is very deep <laughs> right? and very satisfying, you know. He has this, this, I don't want to say notoriety, but he has his reputation. He gets so many big fucking stars in his movies. And I, I think I saw Flight of the Phoenix yeah. by accident because I thought it was Flight of the Intruders. So when I picked it up, I wasn't even thinking about it. I'm like, I, mean, I, I had it mixed up. And boy, what a treat, dude, that to pick that up when I'm 14, not when I wasn't 14, so I'm like 18. I thought, wow, what a fucking great movie. 
Jimmy Stewart. And of course, you know, <laughs> Richard Attenborough, I, I hadn't been familiar with that much of his work in the, as far as a, that in, in his youth. I you know no more, more, obviously, since we're talking about older movies or newer movies in Jurassic Park series. Peter Finch, did, did that movie like won me over so much? I remember going to my dad, I'm like, dad, have you seen Flight of the Phoenix? And he gives me this look like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you ever show this to me? He's like, it's, he's like my dad, I remember my dad kind of educating me a little bit more about how run times of movies and how that affects even television playback. He's like, son, the movie's too long. <laughs> so like you have to carve out a, a Thursday, a Saturday afternoon for three hours to put commercials in because a movie's a long movie. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, but, oh man, I fell in love with that movie. And instead, we're talking about Dirty Dozen and stuff. Like you said, Borgnine's in that. Uh, George Kennedy's in that. Uh, Christian Marcon's in it. You know, it's funny about Aldrich, like you say, these big casts. I mean, if you want to go back and see the, the first run, you want to see you want to see the first, when he first started revving up that formula that, you know, he made famous for the Dirty Dozen. Uh, go back to 1954 and watch Vera Cruz with uh, Lancaster, Gary Cooper. You're going to find almost all the guys who end up in the Dirty Dozen are peppered throughout that movie. And if you haven't seen Veracruz, holy shit, man, it's fucking fantastic. It's a movie I would say you probably, if you could find it on the biggest screen possible, <laughs> like if this was at the Egyptian or, you know, if you live wherever you live, wherever your big revival, theater, if, if Veracruz ever, I mean, it's shot, dude, and it's like Vista Vision. It, I mean, it's sad, the color saturated. It's, and it's fucking a big, big movie. And it's, it's, it's like the Dirty Dozen set in the Old West before the Dirty Dozen knew what the Dirty Dozen was. Right. Cesar Romero is in it, uh, playing the Mexican general. I mean, it's crazy good. So much of Bob's movies, um, like if you want to get them on Blu-ray or DVD, we haven't said that in a long time, but. Kino, <laughs> Kino, yeah, man. Almost everything we put out, especially the the, the lesser known titles like Ozana's Raid, like you just mentioned, it's on there. It's only like eighteen bucks right now. One of the things that's striking me funny is about the cover is it looks like if you don't zoom in on it, I'm like, wait, is that fucking Tom Selleck? <laughs> right, dude. Yeah, it's funny that that poster. Yeah, I mean. If you, I mean, especially if you know, if you're used to seeing, you know, if you, you know, everybody know, has a vision when you say Burt Lancaster, right? right? We all see Burt Lancaster from probably from Hero Eternity, right? Yeah. Bang. That's that. And that's Lancaster in the early fifties, you know, at the top of his game, his most handsome Lancaster you're ever going to see. Right. <laughs> uh, so to see him in this movie where he is, is a bit older and, you know, his hair is a little longer and he's got some face. It, it is weird. Like I, I had to look twice at the image. I was like, is that, that's Lancaster? Give me a break. I get, and then I'm like, well, I guess it is. Cause they weren't Photoshopping and shit. That's him. And you know, now I look at it, but when I was a kid, I was like, that's not the, that's that Burt Lancaster, but fuck yeah, it is looking a little bit like Tom Selleck from the Sackets. <laughs> yeah. And when I see this, I'm kind of thinking, man, that would make a great alt poster for a Quigley down under. Yeah. Right here, why we're just wrapping up, we're wrapping up, rambling on about Bob Aldrich. So, for you know anybody who's seen Pulp Fiction, we all we know the case with the glowing soul. So, you know Bob Aldrich's film "Kiss Me Deadly" yep. is kind of where that what's inside the glowing case is from. So, yeah, treat yourself to "Kiss Me Deadly." That's a fucking great movie, dude. And if you pick up that Criterion. It is just loaded, man. You want to you want to go to you want to go to film school, uh, noir film school. Pick up that and uh, Jules Dassin's uh, Night in the City. Those two those two Blu-rays from Criterion, 
And then you're, then you're going to just start deep diving. You, you know, it's a rabbit hole. You may not want to go down, but if you're willing to do it, those are where you should start. But Kiss Me Deadly, you're going to see a lot of things, especially if you're a Tarantino fan, you're going to see a lot of things that Quentin locked into his brain that you've seen in his movies. You're going to be like, oh, that came from there. Oh, oh. yeah. Shots, the whole deal. So that's, yeah, that's, it's funny. Cause that's how I, I was aware of Stanley Kubrick's The Killing for, you know, because it's a Stanley Kubrick movie when you're kind of like yeah. at trying to educate yourself, you're going to, and so I was aware of it before I saw Pulp Fiction, before I even saw Reservoir Dogs. And when you see Reservoir Dogs and then you see Pulp Fiction, you're like going, wait a second. Somebody <laughs> likes the killing. Somebody, Somebody here killing. loves the killing. A, like, yeah, totally. a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, no, no, no shit. Um, but it's like, and, and it's not a rip at all. And um, we've talked before how much, how uh, fond we are of Quentin's work. And I, I always thought that was such bullshit, the kind of hammer he took about, about, oh, he's ripping people off. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Here's the thing. Did I was aware of the killing. Did I see it before I saw Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction? No, but it made me want to watch it. You know, it's, there's, there's homages and then you putting a spin on that homage and making it your own. And there's just like, I'm going to lift that and stick it in my movie. <laughs> look, man, look, what, what is it? Isn't it Melius who said the best? If you're going to steal, steal from the best. Yeah. <laughs> And make it your own. Yeah. Steve Jobs, same thing. These guys, all these, these guys that were pioneers, they said this shit a long time ago. There's, there's no shame in it, but you got to make it your own. You can't just bite it and then go, oh yeah, you, you can't be the, you can't be transmorphers. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> this is so funny. There's so much great stuff out there. And anytime you and I are able to share this old stuff, stuff that would even your folks would consider old, <laughs> that it's, it's, it's nice that you can even see the basis of today's filmmakers, at least the ones that kind of challenge your expectations when you see a movie. And by the way, I know since we dropped this show two years ago, almost two years ago, it'd be two years this August that we would live and we launched. I've become more and more fond of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's, it's really grown on me. And, but boy, I tell you, it's been a long process to kind of, because like we talked about before, it's a long movie. We, we even suggested that maybe it's 25, 30 minutes too long, but I'm not feeling that way anymore. Nope. I'm with you. It, it, it kind of, maybe it has a moment. like, yeah, I would have trimmed that, but then now you're just frame fucking and what's the point of that? But it's really grown on me. I can't say the same about Death Proof, even though I love the stunts in it and it has moments where I really enjoy it. But Once Upon a Time Hollywood is really like made an impression on me. And I think I like it better now than any of his other movies with the exception of maybe Inglorious Bastards. But it's only because over time I've had allowed to just kind of permeate. I guess I was so critical of him because of the movie, because I'm like, dude, you've already had your revisionist movie. That was Bastards. You've already done that. For me, like to me, the movie is like looking at a nice piece of art, right? Every time you look at something, you know, there's a reason that, you know, some, you know, people, things are timeless and, you know, there's masterworks, right? You look, you look at a painting, if it's a masterwork or it's a, every time you see it, you you should see something new in it. Right. And that's kind of the way I see this movie. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I, like I said, I saw it at the end of a long day's work. It was a long movie. I felt like I, I was, I was mid, I was mid to, I was middle ground with it. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. I, yeah. you know, I felt, but the more I watch it, kind of the more stuff I see and the, the more I laugh and the more shit makes me laugh and the yeah. stuff I never saw, you know? So it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's, it's rewatchability is super high, right? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, every time you look at it and, and here's the thing I, to me, it's like moved up on my list. It's probably number two for me after Jackie Brown. <laughs> 
yeah. as far as Quentin's movies at this moment. But you know, like like we've talked before about some directors. You know, I don't I don't have a locked in stone. No, other than the fact that Jaws is my always going to be the top movie in my. If somebody asks me, it'll always I'll always say Jaws. But everything two to ten fluctuates for me. It moves around. Like some days I'll say the thing. Some days I'll say cool hand Luke yeah. with Quentin's movies. It's, it's similar. Right. And right yeah. now that one is, it's right there up underneath Jackie Brown. Which, and it's funny. And you mentioned, maybe that's because those are the last two I just watched. It's funny you say that because if you look at my letterbox, you see that I just saw both of those movies, just the, for bastards, the dairy farm scene in the beginning. Is it not like top three scene of anything he's ever done? I mean, as far as anything he's ever written, would you ever thought in the mid nineties when this, within this voice was, was growing in our world anyways, in in the world of cinema, did you ever think he was going to write a scene to open a movie where he had three different languages in it? No, I mean. And And it's like, and have two characters speaking three different languages. It was just, fuck. It really is an accomplishment, but because I just watched Bastards and because I just watched Jackie Brown, I'm like, ah, am I, and it wasn't like, I didn't like go, it wasn't a conscious thing. I just kind of went, yeah, well, I want to watch Hollywood. So I put it on and I watched it from the beginning. Cause sometimes because the movie's so long, I'll just say, Hey, where did I, cause I put the digital in cause I have the digital on my Apple TV and I'm like, Hey, where did I leave off? Cause this movie's so fucking long. <laughs> it's like, you can just pick up wherever you left off like a mini series. And I was like, uh, it was, I think it was like 10 minutes into it. So I just started it over again. But the, the scenes with Brad and Leo, like we talked from day one about it are just so magical. Those two guys are just. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel the same way about Pulp Fiction. Like Pulp Fiction is a movie. Like if I used, this used to be my running thing. Like when it was on cable all the time, I, I could turn it on. If it was on, I could watch it from wherever it right. started. Right. I could sit down and start right there. It didn't matter if I walked in and they were Jackrabbit Slims or if, you know, or Butch just snapped up on his fucking table in his dressing room, wherever it was at, I, I could watch it and be totally satisfied. Right. It's really been growing on me and, and I've, I don't know if I can, like we've talked about before with his movies. I don't know if I can, where I, I would slot it, but I think like we were talking about before our general movie top 10 or top 20 or whatever is so like, it's so elastic and it just kind of moves around with whatever mood we're in. Because, you know, when the older you get, the real, the more you realize that, especially when you go and open up your cabinet and you see how many fucking movies you have after the sale, I bought. I'll, out of all the movies I bought, I bought like 30 movies and only two of them were gifts. Everything else is stuff I don't even own <laughs> yet. We're always adding to it. So our, and, and our moods change. I mean, I gotta say this last year and a half. I mean, I, I've dug into things that I haven't dug into in a long time because we've had a lot of free time. Some people were focusing on losing weight. Some people are focusing on not caring about their weight. And some people were like, I got to distract myself. And that's what they did. And we, a lot of us did that with movies and and television. And I found myself digging in further and further. And I'm continuing that now, especially with the, this conversation we're having about Bob Aldrich movies is like Aldrich movies. And I'm like, yeah. Dude, Bob Aldrich was Quentin Tarantino before there was Quentin Tarantino. Right. I haven't seen, dude, you mentioned Kissing Me Deadly. I haven't seen Kiss Me Deadly in a good 20 years. You know, it's already in my cart right now. I'm, I'm buying it. <laughs> I watched it earlier this year when Cloris Leachman passed away because uh-huh, right. uh, I don't want to give it away, right. yeah, but yeah, Cloris yeah. Leachman 
shows up in the movie, you know, and if you've seen it, then obviously, you know what I'm talking about, but, uh, you know, if you're going to see it for the first time, you're going to see Cloris Leachman, like you've never seen Cloris Leachman. Yes. <laughs> I think this might've been her first movie. Honestly, I think this might've been like, it was pretty close to like the first thing she'd ever done. Cause I think she was like 19. Yeah. It was 1950, right? 55. Yeah. Middle fifties. Yeah. Yeah. 55 came. This was his, this was his follow-up to Veracruz. Here's what I'll suggest. I think Kiss Me Deadly is on the Criterion channel. Yeah, it is. Um, if you want to just get a taste, get a taste of this, of what we're talking about, just if you don't have it yet, it's only four ninety nine a month. It's the, it's the best value you're ever going to get. If you're somebody that doesn't want to keep collecting optical discs and everything, I get it because there's, but there's a, a minimalist way of looking at it, your life now. And I totally get it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is on Criterion channel right now. If it is, go for it. That's going to, and it's four ninety nine a month and or you get it free for, you know, for a month free and, and kind of dive in something else about the Criterion channel. that's dope. And I mentioned this before talking about the, the, the app, there are tons of curated playlists too, where, you know, filmmakers are coming on there and saying, and tying movies together. You just don't think have any business being grouped together. And then they're amazing programming. When you watch these three or four movies together, Check it out because Criterion Channel is going to a lot of fun. I still have it because again, it's four ninety nine a month. Yeah, and I still collect the movies. I've even found myself like buying the movies after the fact. It's hard not to when Criterion has their fifty percent off sales three or four times a year on top of Barnes and Noble doing the same thing. Right, you have your chance to pick up those movies later. Right now, Kiss Me Deadly is only thirty one ninety six, but you know it's going to be twenty bucks some point later in the year, sometime this summer maybe. Oh yeah. But check it out for $4.99 on Criterion Channel. And then you can get that on Firestick or on your Apple TV. Uh, you don't even need the app. I think you can watch it through a browser as well. But dive into this stuff and you're going to find yourself going, not only you may not, you know, I'd be familiar with the older movies like this. You're going to find yourself going, like you mentioned, you're going to see the influence on the filmmakers, the current filmmakers, contemporary filmmakers that you're watching and you're going, Oh, yes. And you're going to have appreciation for the new stuff and the old stuff. And you're just going to kind of grow your cinema vocabulary out. And you're going to enjoy. And you're going to, because man, there's a lot to be had in the Criterion world beyond the movies you are aware of. Oh, yeah. Man. Ooh, there we go. Kino sale. Dude, that's the thing, too, man. That's, <laughs> I mentioned earlier, a short while ago, about having a shit ton of stuff and having to whittle it down. You know how many times the Kino sales have happened where I whittle it down? And I just stop myself and I go, I'm not ordering anything. <laughs> I literally go from 30 to nothing. I'm like, I'm not buying anything. And those movies that we're talking about, those movies from the 50s and 60s that they're, they are so lovingly put together by Kino, those are the ones that I kind of put back, but I don't put them back. I put them in my wish list. They're still there. So when the sale happens again, it'll remind me that it's in my wish list. So the last thing I'll say about Aldrich until we, you know, until we talk about Aldrich again, uh, <laughs> would be a lot of Aldrich's titles are available through Kino. Yeah. A lot. And Aldrich's career is so long. And so it, the guy, the guy was an adventurous filmmaker, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it, genre, he jumped in and out of genres. I mean, you know, when you look him up, when you, when you start down this rabbit hole, it's a long rabbit hole. Yes. I mean, deep, Deep, deep. Yeah, and you think that thirty one ninety six is you know, or, or retail forty dollars for for Kiss Me Deli is a lot. It's Criterion, and when you look at the special features on it, you see all these names that you're familiar with that are involved with uh, video tributes and and 
it has a different ending. It has an alternate ending. How the fuck yep. did they, were they able to produce an alternate ending from 1955? Do you hear about people losing shit from 10 years ago? Right. Yeah, it's wild, man. It's one of my favorite Criterion titles that I own. It's a movie that I go back and, you know, revisit often. You know, there's a lot of Aldrich movies I watch a lot. I literally just watched Veracruz two days ago. I was on a <laughs> Lancaster kick and it's on Prime right now, by the way. There you go. Kickstart. It's Kickstart. <laughs> so if you want to follow the show, you can follow the show on Twitter at Karate Pod. Or if you want to follow Corey on Letterbox, that's Corey underscore Culp. Or if you'd like to support the show on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. Instagram account going live next week. We'll have more information on that on Kickstarter for the 28th. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Tom Cody on Letterbox. That's Tom Cody, also known as the Big Knife. 